Do you understand that in Christianity, the relationship between the Father and Jesus is the pattern for the kind of relationship you and I are to have with Jesus? If you could ever find out what kind of intimacy, what kind of oneness, what kind of flow that Jesus had with his Father, you would know automatically, friend, what kind of intimacy and flow and life you're going to experience 24 hours a day in Jesus. Jesus was all wrapped up in and mastered by. He had this obsession, this driving passion. He was just bugged with the Father's will. His whole life, all his energy, everything he did, where he went, what he said, every attitude, all flowed in one direction. The Father's will. He was obsessed. He says, as I'm mastered by and all obsessed with the Father and His will, guess what? You're going to be all wrapped up in and mastered by Jesus and His will as my whole heart beats for the Father. So your whole heart is going to beat for me as I've got one driving passion, one determining factor, one high priority in my life, Jesus says. So you're going to have one driving passion, one high priority in your life. It's going to be Jesus and His will. Jesus is going to be your life. He's going to be your love. He's going to be your turn on. He's going to be your obsession. He's going to be the talk of your lips. You're going to think about him 24 hours a day. He's going to be intimately involved in everything you do. He's going to determine your evenings. He's going to determine when you get up, when you go to bed. He's going to determine where you go. He's going to determine your attitudes. He's going to be be determining your business. He's going to be determining business deals. He's going to have you. He's going to determine how you conduct yourself at the school. Your whole life is going to revolve around and be mastered by Jesus. You're going to be obsessed with Christ. Preacher, there are some other things beside religion, you know. I mean, religion is nice, and Christianity is fine, and Jesus has his place, and certainly we want to keep the church open on Sunday, and I mean, religion is really okay, and it's fine to pray before your meals, and we certainly want to be saved and go to heaven, and, but there are other things in religion. You're right, you're right, you're right. But I'm sorry, friend, we can't call you a Christian. Because I have discovered, ladies and gentlemen, that Jesus is Lord of all, or he isn't Lord at all. I've come to believe, folks, that he's either your high priority or he's not even in the list. I've come to find out, folks, he'll be your turn on or he won't be. I've come to find out, folks, he'll be your obsession or he won't be there. I've come to find out, folks, he'll be your love and your loyalty, your number one, your beating heart passion or he won't be around. I've discovered it's all out for Jesus. My dad taught me well. He said, it doesn't take much of a man to be a Christian, just takes all there is of him. But I'll tell you one thing, it's going to take all your time and all your energy and all your money and you're going to have to have your whole life revolving around and dictated to by. You're going to have to be obsessed and turned on with. He will be Lord of all. Or just don't count on going when he comes. Now you see, we're not talking about super Christian over against lesser Christian. We're not talking about super saint over against lesser saint. We're talking about the bare minimum of getting in. You know that around here we don't talk about lukewarm Christians, kind of Christians. Maybe Christians hope they're Christians. We don't talk about that at all before, because, folks, there isn't such a thing as a lukewarm Christian. They don't exist. That's like talking about dry water. There's no such thing as half Christian. You're either all out for Jesus. Well, preacher, I'm trying to be. 
Do you go up to an elephant, whack him on the trunk and say, are you an elephant? Well, he says, I'm trying to be. You don't try to be an elephant. You either are or you aren't. And there's only one standard for Christianity, folks. And that is all out for Jesus. I want to ask you, friend, when are you going to go all out for Jesus? When's he going to become your love? When's he going to be your turn on? When's he going to become your delight? Well, what does he demand out of you? All out for Jesus. Number one, turn on obsession, passion, burning from the heart. Can I ask you, friend, when are you going to pull out all the stops and just begin to burn for Jesus? When's he going to be your love? When is he going to be your delight? When is he going to be the excitement of your being? When is he just going to be your living experience? When are you going to go all out for Christ? You know whether Jesus is your love. You know whether he's your turn on. You know whether he's your excitement. You know whether he's your life. You know whether he's a hobby that you have. You know whether he's the God you come to on Sunday morning and tip your hat to the God to check in down at the church house. You know, friend, whether he's an overcoat that you put on in the winter and take off in the summer. You know whether he's your life. And I'm trying to tell you, friend, you're damned until he's your life. You're not going to make it. There aren't degrees in Christianity. It's either all out for Jesus or it isn't. The issue's not good and bad. Everybody here is good. The issue is he's not been Part-time Christians, that's where most of us live. We want full-time benefits with a part-time commitment. It's all or nothing. He's everything or He's nothing to you. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 says, To the angel of the church of Laodicea, he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. So that because of your lukewarmness, not either, neither being hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Lukewarm, that, that word in the Greek means a condition of the soul wretchedly fluctuating between passive and fervor, a fervency of love for God. The word hot there is the word zestos, and it means boiling hot. Melt. Fervent. It's not just... A little bit. It's not like, like a bathtub. It's so hot that you melt. That's how we have to burn for Jesus. Amen. Many of us are like a spider that hangs on a web. If you've ever been to a campfire and the campfire is going and there will be spiders hanging from the trees. Many of us are just like that spider. We, are, we dangle on something that we've created... Religion, we hang there and the flames are ready to lick us up. We will have millenniums. Millennium is a thousand years. We will have millenniums to be happy. We will have millenniums to live in comfort. We have just this short time on this earth. 
to bring, bring people to Christ. And you yourself, maybe tonight, you don't know Jesus. It's all or nothing. Amen. Guys, it is not just a little bit. Not a little dab will do you. It's not just pitching off a little piece of the bread. It's got to be Jesus or nothing. Amen. Jesus said it like this. John 16, He says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I don't want to tell you tonight, you come to Jesus and and the rest of your life is going to be perfect. In fact, Jesus Himself spoke these words. He said, in this life, you are going to have trouble. You're going to have persecution. It is going to be a pressure cooker. That's what that Greek word there means. It's compression. It's feeling confined. But today, preachers who peddle gospel all over this nation will tell you it's your best life right now. You can be rich. You can do all these things. I am not going to fool you with that tonight. I am going to tell you, if you come to Christ, it is going to be the most difficult decision you've probably ever made in your life. And following through with it. Jesus is disgusted with what he sees in our world today, in the church. He is disgusted with it. This body we reside in is temporary. We must live for the eternal, for the spiritual, live in the heavenly realm. It is that place that Christ abides. Many of us would like to mix Christianity with the world. We give God just enough to make us feel good. And then we mix all of our stuff from the world. And this concoction is a toxic potion which the enemy feeds on. It sustains him. He is not easily broken or removed when we have done this. We begin to feed, the enemy begins to feed on that which makes him more powerful than his own self. He must be starved out, cast off, cast out, expelled. Many of the chains or shackles that we walk in today and we're strapped in are from our very own selves. We blame the devil, but we created the shackles of which we live in. We walk today in shackles because we wrapped them around ourselves. We've wrapped them around ourselves even with religious things. We have been lied to. We have been lied to say, go to church, pay your tithe, open your Bible once a week, pray before you eat, and you will be fine. Churches are leading people right to hell because you know why they're telling them this? You're okay. I'm okay. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. You have no need to repent. You have no need to change your life. If you want to go ahead and drink, that's okay. Go ahead and keep drinking. If you want to go ahead and keep smoking pot, that's fine because that's something that comes from the earth. We don't have to worry about that. We've been lied to. Many of our names are on church rosters but are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Our names might as well be on the Elks roster down in Porterville because that's all it means. 
You know what? You may go to church every Sunday. You may have your name on the directory. And they may see your face. But you still may be lost. Because Jesus is not Lord of all. He's all or nothing. We're not fans. We're followers. We don't just have a duty. We're disciples. We don't have religion. We have relationship. We don't want food. We want fasting. We want, we want to stop whining and begin weeping. We're not pretenders. We are prayers. We're not being entertained. We're being intertwined. We're not listless. We're alert. We're not resting. We're waiting for revival. I have millenniums to be happy. I have millenniums to be in comfort. I have 70 years on this earth to snatch people out of hell. And that's it. 150,000 people died today and went to hell. I'm busy. I'm tired. I'm hungry. This is why I chase revival. This is why I will scratch, claw, weep, pray, fast, persist, press on, crawl, agonize in the spirit for revival because I don't want to see anyone perish. 150,000 people died today and went to hell. And did we even bat an eye? We will be held accountable. If all you say this is true, if, if there was one man, he said this, if this hell that you talk about is as hot, if this hell is as bad as they say, then you know what? I would walk on glass barefooted for a mile to save one soul. But you know what? We won't get up from our own TV set. Some people look at us at Ignite and they say, this is radical Christianity. This isn't just, this isn't what it's, this isn't what it looks like. We see this displayed around us. People, I mean, I hear people all the time talk about, well, that Ignite, man, they're just, they're extreme, they're radical, they're fanatics. This, what we're living in right now, is the norm for the first, first century Christians. This isn't supposed to be something way up here. This should be normal. See, we've lost sight of it. We see what's going on in the world around us and we go, Oh, well that's what, I'm doing better than he's doing. I prayed over my dinner. I did all these other things. I went to church this Sunday. And God's looking at us going, What is it? What is it? What is it that I have to do to show you? Put away the bottle. Put off the old. I will live holy. I will choose to be different. I don't want to be normal. I want, to have, I want my, my ear to be tuned to a different drum. That, that different beat. There is a cadence of heaven. Remember I've talked about it for the last couple weeks. The Spirit of God. He's calling us to listen to His voice. He's calling us to listen to the rhythm, the cadence of heaven. Marching to that drum. You know what? Today there's people that's in this country that say 78% of this country is saved. 78%. Think they're saved. It's socially popular today to be a Christian. But if you were a first century Christian, it would cost you your life. For you to say, I love Jesus, meant something. And you know what? In the rest of this world, you say, I love Jesus, 
And it may cost you imprisonment. It may cost you your life. We say it today with such flippancy. Oh, my goodness. It's socially acceptable to be a Christian. Did you see who else became a Christian yesterday? He didn't change. Paul says this in the book of Acts. He says that it should change us. It should, it should bring us to repentance. It should radically move us into a different realm. This New Year's. Let's make our focus on becoming radical. All out for Jesus. Not religious. I don't want more religion. I want to be revived by His Spirit. Leonard Ravenhill, a great man of God who preached revival all of his life. He says, where do we go from here? The answer is where sinful individuals or sinful nations can only go. Back to a merciful God. Hear me. Every church without a prayer meeting condemns us. Every Bible unopened condemns us. Every promise of God unused condemns us. Every lost neighbor condemns us. Every lost heathen condemns us. Every dry eye condemns us. Every wasted minute condemns us. Every unclaimed opportunity condemns us. This year... I want to give God something new. I'm ready to repent and say, God, I have lacked. I have not walked according to to what your word says. I have not done greater signs and wonders like your word declares. But I am going to. I am going to seek revival with all my heart. I'm going to seek the move of God to see lives changed. I want to see Springville all saved. I want to see just like it's happening in Guatemala. You know, down there, when they say that they're saved, they mean they're saved. And when they have percentages like 92% of their cities saved, they mean it. Because you know what? If you're not, you're on the outside looking in. Not like our country today. 78%, that's just, that's just to be popular. Today, the world looks at the church to see what she is doing. I say she because you know what? God calls us the bride of Christ. In the space of such a time as this, with the enemies poised to to strike on Israel, what's the church going to do? She is asleep. We're playing church. Woe to those in this day that get saved in some of our churches and produce what we have exa- the examples that we have given them. We need an injection from the Spirit of God to awaken us. We need a new dynamic, not a new program. We need the fire of God to come back to our altars. We need a revival to awaken us from our slumber. The biggest enemy of revival is not over fanaticism, but it is the church. If you look all throughout history, it was not because they got too carried away. It was because the church put a big old clamp on them. The biggest hindrance to Jesus' ministry was the church. Habakkuk 3.2 says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. The word renew there means to bring to life. Revive us, God. Because we are listful, lax, lazy, lustful, and loose. That describes the church today. Tonight is your opportunity. This day, we start, after this night is over, we start a whole new year. 
God said to Israel, He said, Today I set before you life and death. Choose life. Faith is the muscle by which we lift the heavy load. Faith is the currency by which we make the purchases in the spiritual kingdom. Faith is our spiritual sight. Revival isn't taught. It's caught. I said when we started this a year ago, I said, I want God to set me on fire. And people will come from all around to watch me burn. Most of us are so cold or lukewarm. Bathtub tap. We've walked in this place of lukewarmness where it just feels like the norm. And it is not. I don't want you to go back to your church. And I don't want you to go back there and just sit in that church. I want you to go into that church. And I want you to bring the presence of God into the atmosphere and change what's going on in your church. I want you to begin to believe in revival. I want you to begin to believe that God can do it. He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. Carrie, come here. See, you know what happens with most of us? We spend so much time in church playing the game. Or some of us, we've been in and out. We've been walking in this lukewarmness. We go back and forth so much that we can't even decide what we're doing anymore. And Jesus says, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. The word actually means to vomit. That's what God thinks of lukewarmness. He says this, I would rather you be cold. Think about that for just a minute. I would rather you be cold than to be lukewarm. Because when you're lukewarm, I'm going to expel you. This young lady got saved a couple months ago. And... The awesome part of this is this. She didn't have all this church stuff cluttering her all up. All this religious garbage. She just believed it. Accepted it. And said, God, do it in my life. Oh, I'm not supposed to smoke cigarettes? Okay, you know what? That's gone tomorrow. Today we go, that's okay. Just, you can keep smoking them a little longer. You'll be all right. You can have that drink. That's okay. You know, we know we're trying to get over that. It's a rough time. All she did was simply say, God, I believe. On last Saturday night, can you tell everybody it's about that block that you were facing? You don't have to go into detail, but just... I was talking with Billy and Melissa. I go to them a lot. And I told them, you know, I've been going to church. I've been praying. I've been reading. I, I've, I've gotten rid of 
all the bad things in my life, I feel like I'm just, I'm trying to worship, I'm trying to do everything I'm supposed to do, but I just feel like there's something that's keeping me, like, like I can't get through, I don't know what's blocking me. And so I started talking, and I'm not going to go into what it was, but it re- God revealed it to me, and once I said it out loud, which I didn't even realize what was blocking me, I told Billy and Melissa, I said, oh my gosh, I feel like I just lost so much weight right now. Yeah. And, what is going on in my life is absolutely amazing. From where I was two months ago to where I am now, I'll never go back to where I was. uh, I'm thankful for everybody who's taken me under their wing and and has shown me, has introduced me to God and to Jesus. And my kids... I have to thank them because they're they're who brought me to where I am right now. They're the reason why I get up every day and and make it through the days because they brought me here and they it's amazing. I just I thank you guys. That 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 is why we do it. That is why I want revival. That's why I don't want to play church anymore. That's why I've said enough. Guys, you, I've said it before. I said, you know what? When you come into this place, you participate. When you sit back and you just close yourself off, it's like cussing in the spirit. she said is this you know what this block that I was facing I needed to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and remove this place from my life maybe it's unforgiveness maybe it's bitterness maybe it's just something in your life that you've walked in and you've become so comfortable with it that you place it upon you and you just walk in that every single day God doesn't want us walking in that He wants us walking in life I have heard of your fame. I have heard of your great deeds, oh God. Revive them in our time. Revive them in my time. It will never happen if we sit back in the pew and we never move and we just say, okay, I'm just gonna just I'm just gonna sit here. We have got to. There's 150,000 people that died today. Does that even shake us at all? Jesus is looking. Chewie, could you turn off the lights for me? We're going to sing a worship song here just for a moment. But I want you guys to know tonight... Life and death is in your grasp tonight. What will you choose? Is it going to be all or nothing? A little bit of Jesus will not do. 
a little bit of just having church, going to church on Sunday, and then just living out the rest of your week and not even thinking a thought about Him. He has to be your everything or He is nothing at all. You know what it may take? Maybe it takes us fasting. Maybe it takes us... You know, Jesus didn't say... He didn't say uh, fast. He said, when you fast. As if it was something that you should normally do. When you pray. It shouldn't be something out of the ordinary. It should be our lifestyle. God is calling us. God is calling us tonight. Hallelujah. Spirit break out. Spirit break out. Spirit break out. Spirit break out. Spirit break out upon us, God, tonight. Spirit break out. Revive our hearts, Lord, tonight. Revive us, God. Let revival begin to burn within us, Jesus. God, let us not be worried about the status quo. You in spirit and in truth, God, we bless you, we praise you, Lord, we magnify you, God. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah! Oh, spirit, break out! Spirit, break out! Oh, hallelujah! Spirit, break out! Spirit, break out! Spirit, break out! Just tell him right now, spirit, break out! Holy Spirit, break out! Holy Spirit, break out! Holy Spirit, break out. Holy Spirit, break out. Move within us, God, tonight. God, unite our hearts. God, unite our hearts with revival. God, unite our hearts in oneness, chasing you, God. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're worthy, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Lord, let revival, let revival begin to burn within each and one of us. Ignite, Lord, revival in Springville. God, start it right here so our friends, our families can get saved. It can only happen not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I don't, you guys know I don't ever do this. I think I've done it one other time, but I feel like the Lord wants me to share something with you. I want to challenge you for this year. As I was praying and seeking God's heart and having my time and, and saying, Lord, you know, I just want more of you this year. What, what do I need to do? He said, Connie, a lot of times you operate in your abilities. You know, in your abilities is what you operate in. You know, gifts, talents, maybe that you have, but it's just an ability. And he said, until those abilities that I've given you, and that's what I want to challenge you with. We didn't have a lot of people come forward, so I'm assuming that a lot of people here are church attenders, and maybe you teach Sunday school or you different, do different things, and, and you're operating out of your ability. But there's a difference. Because the Lord told me, he says, Connie, when you surrender that ability to me, that's when I turn it into a responsibility. There is a big, big difference when God takes your ability and he turns it into a responsibility. 
So my heart's cry for myself this year is, Lord, may my abilities, everything you've given me, be fully surrendered to you and it be turned into a responsibility because that's when you're really going to affect lives and change them. You know, Pastor Greg said when, up here when he was preaching, he said, you know, we've got 70 years at best to bring people to the Lord. We've got millions of people in this world, millions. If you led one person to the Lord, maybe in the 50 years, say you came to the Lord when you're 20, that's only 50 people. So I want to challenge you. I want you to look back at your life. When was the last time you led somebody to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if somebody came up to you and said, tell me about this God that you believe in, could you take them through the Word of God and show them why you believe in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? I want to put that before you as a church and as a challenge. So number one, give your abilities to the Lord and let Him turn it into a responsibility. And then I challenge you to really take a look at when was the last time that you led somebody to Christ and make this a new year. We've got a world to reach, people. We've got a world to reach. It's mandated to us in Matthew 28. And you know what? As you go back to your church, as you go back to your your place where you worship, you take the fire of revival with you. Don't leave it here. You take it into the place where you worship. You take it to that place. And you begin to pray over that place. And you begin to intercede over that place. And you say, God, I'm not going to be sitting back in status quo any longer. I am going to to march forward. You know, the word, God gave me this word. He says, Greg, your head is going to have to be like a flint. You're going to have to put your head towards it. And you're not going to have to just keep walking. You know what? Don't worry about what anything anybody else says. Ron told me this week. He says, Greg, I want you to know. Don't you worry. If there was only two people left in here, you keep going. You keep preaching. You keep... Keep doing it. And you guys, as you come in here, as you come into your church, you take that fire with you. And you know what? Don't just let it sit there. You ignite that fire. You be, don't just be a pew sitter. You be a fire burning in those pews. God wants you to ignite your church. He wants you to, he wants to see the power of God moving and flowing in the place where you worship. I challenge you, as Connie said, don't give up your ability. Just give it up. Because you know what? God says, listen, I can do greater things through you. Remember what I said last week? He wants to do it through us. He wants to work through us. All he needs is a yielded vessel. Nancy Yancey told me this week, she says, Greg, we've been in ministry, a part of ministry for 30 years. I have never seen as many people come to the Lord in one year. You know what? I challenge you guys, as you come together, as we worship, as we come together as a group, as we ignite this fire within the vicinity, in this region, from all the way down to Porterville, to Strathmore, to Ducor, to Ponderosa, to Camp Nelson. God, ignite a fire within this region. Set it ablaze. Change lives. We will believe for it. We will believe for it. Thank you, God. The ladies have something tonight for us back there, so I'm going to go ahead.